You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. If they're putting on socks and the seam at the sock is on the inside of the sock, they might hate that. They might have to wear socks inside out and you might think that's crazy. But it's really easy to wear a sock inside out and it doesn't really matter. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. All right, well, it is momentum once again. Hey, we are so grateful that you are tuning in. And actually, you know what? We're just so grateful to be here. This is, uh, Des and I love sitting in this space, uh, my co-host and good friend, Des Kennedy. How are you this week, man? Are you good? Yes, I'm really good. Looking forward to this week's show. It's going to be superb, as always. But uh, just by the way, um, don't forget our website, momentumaustralia.com. Uh, org and lots of information, mm. feedback, questions, all our podcasts are on there. And also if you feel like supporting um, Momentum Australia practically by donating to the ministry, please, uh, we would love you to do that. We uh, rely heavily on our on the donations we get to keep the show in the air. And also mm. don't forget Momentum Caroline, which is one 800 men 636 brought to you by Momentum Connections. You can get help seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Brilliant. Momentum Caroline, 1-800-000-636. And Tim, you're well? I am, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to get back into this week's show. But before we do that, I just want to say, you know, we, uh, we at Momentum, our, our whole heart behind what we do is helping men succeed in life. That's mm-hmm. our tagline, but it's true. Des and I have gone through some journeys and we we just look around and we go like, we, we want to help other guys in the stuff that perhaps that they're struggling with. And uh, one guy that we've had on the show fairly regularly since we started a few years back is Richard Fay, um, good friend and counsellor. Uh, richardfay.com.au is his website. But, uh, you know, he's very honest and, and open about stuff that he's journeyed through in his life. And this week we're talking about sensory processing disorder, which is a condition that affects uh, basically how your brain processes sensory information. For example, things that you see, hear, smell, taste or touch. You know, having sensory processing disorder generally means that you're overly sensitive to stimuli that other people are not affected by. But the disorder also can be the reverse in that, you know, it takes more stimuli to impact you. And we're going to explore sensory processing disorder this week in detail with, again, our good friend and uh, counsellor Richard Fay. Welcome back to Momentum, Richard. Thanks for coming back, man. And great to be back with you. Thank you. So we, we so enjoyed last week's show. We talked about the false self and the true self. And uh, I mean, that was huge. A lot to unpack in there. This is something this week that perhaps, um, I, I don't know that many men would have heard of this, uh, would even know what this is. Um, it might be a fairly new term. But um, when when do you think that sensory processing disorder was officially, I suppose, recognized and acknowledged as a condition? It's really only been in the last 50 years that we've identified it as something that people have. And it's prevalence is relatively high. It's about, for children, it's about one in 10. Uh, For adults, it's lower because we tend to grow out of it to some extent. Our uh, our senses are a little more muted as adults than they are as children. It's Mm. interesting, uh, for example, for me, uh, eating. Um, Children have very, very highly attuned taste buds and therefore strong flavors are overwhelming for a child and therefore they need a lot of space and time to explore those flavors and if parents get anxious and worried about those children eating they might force them to eat things they get anxious then they form anxiety around eating and they can have 
all kinds of challenges there. That's just one small example. Uh, I, I, I hated the texture of chewing flesh. It seemed abhorrent to me as a child that we would chew flesh because I was made of flesh. It's my brain was actually feeling the sense of chewing meat as mm. a horrendous thing. Now, as an adult, I can tell you I don't have any problem. I'm not a vegetarian. Uh, I love meat, but as a child, I found that very difficult. So we've we've come to an awareness there. It's not officially diagnosed as a disorder within the Bible of disorders, which is called the DSM. Uh, however, it is identified and recognized and can be tested. It's also understood as highly sensitive people is another way to describe mm. it. Okay. Their senses are turned up, or as Des said earlier, sometimes the senses are turned right down and people do things to try and taste or experience life more. So I, I love, I just want to jump in and say, I love that we're talking about this because now at the age of 49, I can look back and go, I definitely had this as a kid, um, but my parents had no idea with respect that this is how they, they just thought I was being, you know, a fussy eater or I was being uh, rebellious with not wanting to wear certain clothes because they didn't like the texture of them and all those sorts of things. So let, let, let's talk about you then, because I mean, you're with respect a little older than me. And so back then, this certainly wouldn't have been picked up when you were a kid. Tell us a bit about your childhood, how this actually affected you. And, and again, the response from your parents as you journeyed through this. So uh, it showed up in all kinds of ways. I've mentioned eating. Another one is as I hated the feel of salt drying on my skin. So if I went to the beach right. and got in the surf, I'd have to wash my skin clean with fresh water. And, of course, if you're with your peers, you know, you're 15, 16 years old and you're with a few mates and they're all carrying on as if they're having fun and you're feeling uh, – the best example is most people have a problem with fingernails on a blackboard. You say that yes. people and they have a bit of a reaction. Yes. It's like that feeling in your body a lot of the time. Wow. Uh, fingers on a balloon will freak me out. That's an auditory experience. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'd be at the beach and uh, I, I couldn't wear thongs because I hated the feeling of sandal grit between my feet and the thongs. Uh, you got me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I'd be around walking in, sh in, in, in shoes and socks, and everyone else would be in thongs, and and people would look at me, guys would look at me and go, "What are you? Come some kind of wuss or something?" Yeah. So I would feel like I wasn't man enough. Yeah. You know, I should be tough and strong, and I, I feel like I had failed at manhood for some reason because I picked up emotional signals, physical signals, not just sensory signals, yeah. all kinds of signals, mm. as if they're all dialed up a bit louder in me. I mean, I've, I've never thought about the whole thong things, but now that I think about it, that's exactly the way I have been. I've never been able to wear thongs, and that's a good that's a good reason for it. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? You, yeah, you logically think that well, other people do, so must people must find no problems with it. Yeah, and and I and I like you said, I always put myself down and say, why why can I why can I not wear thongs? There must be something wrong with me. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And actually, no, you're. In one sense, more fully alive than other people. Amen. You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the story that helps us because yeah. it is just a physiological thing. Yeah. It's not something that 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 says anything about our identity, worth, character, uh, personality. It's just a physiological sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's so easy to turn that, isn't it? So easy to turn that into something that affects you mentally. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Another example is uh, roller coasters, theme parks, um, doing scary stunts, uh, hang gliding, jumping out of a working airplane, parachuting. All of those things for a highly sensitive person may be, may be mm. really extreme. 
Mm. And for a person who's under-regulated, they might choose to do it. People who climb cliff faces without ropes or, mm. or, or yeah. walk on tight ropes over huge spaces or, you know, uh, ride motorbikes at crazy speeds. Oh, we know who nope. that identifies nope. with. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> some people, for some reason, they could be looking for a stimuli. Yeah. They're looking for an adrenaline rush because they feel life is muted. And sometimes for mm. some of those people, not mm. all of them, they are – no, I, I love an adrenaline rush. So trust me, I, I drive a, a fun car and I, I when I'm able to, I, I have a bit of fun in that car. I try to follow the road rules. Legally, of course. <laughs> Legally, of course. <laughs> try. Um, and, and so, no, I, I, I do love adventure. I do love having fun. I actually love roller coasters. But some things will feel overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. Really loud spaces. And I like a party. You go to a room and it's really loud. I don't want to get out of there. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming me. Mm. So, Richard, right. firstly, tell us a, a bit about then your parents and, and how did they respond to you being like this, highly sensitive? You're making a big fuss. You put that shirt on right now. Oh, you're being stupid. This is this is get up. You just just get up. Do what I say. All of those things would have been the typical responses. You mentioned clothing, so certain fabrics or labels, especially Mm. if the label was I cut the labels out of everything still. (laughs) There it is. And, and, uh, of course, that that gets internalized. If you hear it over and over as a child, as an adult, you put on a fabric and you go, oh, I don't like the feel of that. And then you go, the hippest voice would go, well, I should. Should yeah. is normally an indication yeah. that you've, you know, you're living with a story that's not yeah. fitting you. It's 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 not, not helping you. I go well. No, I I I have my tastes. I choose what I choose. Mm. I don't want to be defined. For example, I mentioned eating earlier. I don't want to be defined by a, a limited diet just because of what I experienced as a child. Uh, so we need to constantly invite ourselves into new experiences, but from a place of adventure, inquiry, fun. Uh, curiosity, not from a place of obligation or you should or you should be like other people. So so how did this change for you, this sensory processing disorder as you got older? And did was it just naturally that things started to dial back for you because of age? Or did you recognize it, get diagnosed with it, and then start to process it from there? How did that happen? Uh, I, I have to tell you, when I first found out about it, which was uh, 13, 14 years ago, I went, Oh my goodness. Hello. In mm. other words, it's a wonderful thing to discover you're not the only person with that experience and that's that a lot of people have that experience. Up until that point, all there was was I- internal judgments mm. and suddenly there was a release. Now there's, there's something else I'm going to mention in this space. So for me, that was an aha moment, a discovery. And it's interesting, once I realized it was okay to have be a highly sensitive person and there are gifts to it because you read your environment better than people who don't have this. Yeah, yeah. You become more aware of what's happening around you. Uh, then it normalizes and then you can press more into those uncomfortable experiences and test where your limits are. I'll give you another example is is uh, is, is, is climbing exposed spaces. I get... Uh, uh, that awareness of, of um, almost like vertigo if I'm climbing, climbing a very steep hill without any trees, like a rock face. 
and uh, my mates would just walk up the hill and they'll be able to uh, challenge themselves standing at the very edge of a, of a cliff. I, I back right, right away. And when I've been with my mates and I've gone, this is where the dialogue starts up. You see, you're not a man. If you're a man, you'd be, you'd, you'd have guts. You'd be brave. You'd stand right at the cliff edge, looking over that edge, but you can't cause you're not a man. Wow. Now, now, when I, I remember walking up uh, this this cliff face, this uh, this rock wall, um, in a place called Girraween National Park in Southeast Queensland, and I got halfway up the hill, and I was feeling very uncomfortable in my body, and it was sunset, and my mates kept walking up the hill, and I was all alone halfway up the hill, and the and the dialogue started up. They had a much better view than you. They're so much more men than you. They're so wow. much braver than you. And I listen to that voice and go, oh, hello, I'm comfortable here. This is what I choose. I choose this. Mm. I've got a good enough you, and I don't have to push myself any further. I'll push myself this far, and I'm enjoying this, and they're not braver than me. They don't have the signal input that I've got. They don't sense danger like I do. My sense of danger has turned up to to 11 on a dial that only goes up to 10 and theirs <laughs> might be at five or six or seven mm. and everyone has their point and the point the person who has no sense of danger is the person who's going to die <laughs> yes <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying because yeah. eventually they're going to push their luck they're yeah. going to go into something that's so i'm glad i've got that dial and i'm i'm thanking my body for telling me thank you for telling me about danger so i'm doing some self-care I'm taking myself out of this narrative, what it means to be a man that's, you know, bravado and guts and all of that. I choose not to be part of that. I choose this. Mm. And you know what? They're at the top of that hill and they don't feel like, oh, we're so much better than Richard. What a wimp. But, of course, mm. as a teenager, I would have heard it. Yes, mm. of course. And uh, so so that they weren't thinking or feeling that. They came and joined me and we went home and we had a, a good weekend. But I remembered that moment was yeah. a turning point for me because mm. I challenged myself enough to be uncomfortable but not enough to be distressed. Yeah. And yeah. at that point, then I did some self-care, internal dialogue. Yes. No, I choose this. I am who I am and that is enough. I think that's brilliant advice, Richard, for many, many men who are in that situation, whether it be competing in fishing or whether it be competing in whatever it is, bike riding or Riding yes. silly motorbikes and things, <laughs> whatever it happens <laughs> to be, uh, men men don't, as a rule, know how to deal with that the way you've just described. And if men can learn one lesson from what you've just said, it is that the talking to yourself and and it helping yourself through that situation. Yes, one of the problems we have in our society is that men are supposed to be tough and strong, yeah. and and then it's a judgment that females, women. Are sensitive women have a highly attuned sense of safety um, because of course they're protective of their children because they want their children to live long lives um, and, and men are supposed to be well this is some societal construct who says mm. I'm mm. not any less a man because I feel these things yeah mm. yeah that's good yeah we're going to take a short break. This is another fascinating conversation. We're talking about sensory processing disorder this week on Momentum with our special guest, Richard Fay. We're going to take a short break. Encourage you to have a quick look around some websites as we do that, richardfay.com.au and, of course, the Momentum website, momentumaustralia.org. And we'll be back with Richard Fay in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at momentumaustralia.org. 
All right, well, thanks for hanging around and tuning back in. It is Momentum. We are all around Australia and uh, loving having you with us this week. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying our conversation this week on sensory processing disorder with uh, Richard Fay. You know, Richard, just before we cut to the break, you were sharing a story about uh, you climbing a, a mountain, I think it was, or a hillside, and you you stopped about halfway and the, the guys ended up going to the top and you, you kind of reconciled that this was okay for you and you did the internal dialogue and internal work and calmed yourself down and it was all good. Um, I, I just had some thoughts, you know, during the break to say for, for guys, you know, as men, if we're not securing ourselves, we, we would perhaps not do that. What we'd, by that, I mean, we'd probably follow the pack mentality, the peer pressure thing of, you know, well, I don't want to look like a, an idiot or a failure or a loser in front of my friend. So I'll do this behavior, even though I feel super uncomfortable uh, but I'm going to do it because I don't want to feel like, you know, they're judging me or I'm less of a man or whatever it may be. Can you just speak into that space as men generically? Because let's be honest, I mean, all of us can feel that at times. Um, and yet the way that you handled that was just so different. It was mature. It was loving and caring of yourself, um, being mindful of them and their responses, but also not allowing yourself to go down that track. We have in our physiology, our biology is uh, we actually uh, mammals in our physiology. We we belong in a herd or a tribe if we're out, in our case mm. because it's safety in numbers. If you're mm. inside the, the, the herd, then the lion won't pick you off. And that's so strong in our biology that we will then force ourselves sometimes to conform to external expectations or, or the tribe's expectations of us. So we have to give parts of ourselves up and we don't even know where the, the line is. So we give more and more of ourselves up. We can end up in the wrong group. We end up in a group of people. We're doing things that uh, this will make me look tough. And it's actually defying our, our, our sacred sense of who we are just so we feel like we're included. Mm. I want to be in school. I want to be, I want to be in the cool group. And what do the cool group do? Well, they sleep around and they take drugs and they, they do crazy things. Well, I will do what they do just so I belong and I'm included. And that can keep going. I choose friends that make me look strong or successful or powerful, but actually I'm miserable the whole time. And I think that's the only way I have worth or value by giving my own sense of self up because I'm afraid of what other people will think. And I have to be like the ones that I, I identify as stronger than me, as more successful than me. So I play their game. What a dumb way to be. And yet so many of us as men do it. So mm. many of us. Mm. And, and I could confess that I've done it. Uh, at times in the past and I've ended up feeling it less as a person. Yeah. So what I do then is I take on some role in the group. I might, I was the jester. I'll make him laugh. I won't be the toughest. I won't be the coolest. I won't be the, the, the most uh, adventurous, but I'll be the funniest. And of course, then I'm constructing some version to help me belong in this group. So they're laughing, which means I must be funny, which means I must be uh, a valued member of this tribe. Mm. Actually, I'm functioning outside of who I really am. I'm pretending to belong. These aren't my people. Mm. If they need me to be like them, then they're not worth yes. having as friends. Yes. If they accept me for who I am, then they're worth having as friends. Mm. I don't have to be something. I mean, that's profound in itself, isn't it? Just, I mean, that message alone. Mm. If if you have to pretend, then there's something wrong with those who are around you. 
Yes, absolutely. Or or you are stuck with a belief that they have that expectation of you. In other words, if I push myself to the top of that granite outcrop to be with my mates, they wouldn't have been, any, because they were my friends, they wouldn't have been any the wiser that I'd dr- driven myself to a point of almost apoplexia mm-hmm. to, to get to the top. They wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I'm giving I'm giving my own sense of self up to try and get their validation. And then if I don't get it, I have to go do something else because I'm not getting it. Yes. External validation is natural for a child, very unhelpful for a man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Richard, let's jump back onto the the sensory processing disorder. And you said I think it was about 14 years ago that you finally you know, the, the, the things started to slot in place and go, oh, okay, that's what I was dealing with as a kid. So as an adult now, um, are you still affected? Is this still something that you uh, are aware of in your day-to-day? Has it dialed right back for you? What does it look like now for you? Yeah, I think if I was still climbing a mountain, I would be more risk-averse than most of the people I'm with, most likely. Um, I, I still have a shower every time at the beach, every time I go into the salt water to wash mm. the salt off me, but I'm far less judging. I'm so much more accepting of what's happening in my body and, uh, tolerant of it. As I said, with eating, um, there's still things I, I simply won't eat. And that's a beautiful thing to come to go. No, actually I don't have to, I don't yes. have to be anything other than who I am. Yeah. Mm. And that was so freeing. Yeah, liberating, yeah. It is. Well, Des, like me, I don't want to insult you, but you're an older man. And one of the gifts of becoming older um, uh, is, is that you care less and less of whether other people yeah. approve of who you are. It matters more and more whether you know you're living your true yeah. self, your true sense mm. of who you are. Yeah, mm. no, exactly. That's all. Very important. So, Richard, a couple of things. Um to explore before we wrap up the show. Um, firstly, for, for people listening that have heard this and gone, wow, uh, I've had a, glo- a light globe moment. I didn't know this thing existed. I can relate to some of this. Um, what do they do with that? I mean, are there treatments now available? Are there medications available? Are there things that we can do as adults, particularly now, and we realize that we've got sensory processing disorder? I suppose, is it first to get a diagnosis and go, this is actually what it is? or What's what's the process? If they've sparked some curiosity through listening to this conversation, what do they do with that? Uh, Yes, do some of your own research. There is a website out there for emotionally sensitive people. And if you've got a child who you suspect might be highly sensitive, Mm. um, Mm. uh, uh, you you can actually do a, a, a quiz, which is not waterproof, but it will give you a sense of whether that um, child actually is, and you can do one for adults as well. So that's one way to approach it. Uh, and, uh, another is what's called exposure response therapy. Exposure response therapy is simply expose yourself to a manageable level of the stimulus that distresses you. Mm. Don't go in the deep end, uh, just go into it far enough. So, and then regulate yourself, slow down your breathing, Notice what's happening in your body. Don't bring any judgments on it. And just slow yourself right down in that space, like I did halfway up that mountain. Mm. Regulate, be kind and gentle to yourself, and just notice what happens. You can only go to the limits of your comfort and uh, 
so uh, there's uh, hsperson.com, hsperson.com will have some resources and you can see some stuff there. It also has questionnaires. So there's one research tool. Uh, you can talk to a therapist about it and the therapist will give you some um, some more tools and other ways in which you can manage this. Uh, knowing that you're part of a group, you will probably find a, a Facebook group for it. <laughs> and uh, there's a Facebook group for absolutely everything now, which will help you understand. Or parents, and it's good for parents to know this because parents will just say to children, you're just being difficult. Mm. You're making life difficult for me. No, and then the child gets more distressed. And mm. guess what happens to high, high to, to sensory processing disorder? If you're distressed, it gets louder. Mm. Yeah. So the calmer you are, the, the lower the threshold, the, the higher the threshold is. I'm able to cope with more. The more stressed you are, the lower the threshold is, and I tip over, mm. and I become uh, more sensitive if I'm distressed. So parents who say to children, "You're making it all up. This is nonsense." Well, actually, that makes it worse. Mm. Yeah, and does the same thing apply to husbands and wives? Absolutely, it applies. Because you're different does not mean it's worse. Just yeah. difference is difference. Yes, we 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 have Ben and Jerry's or whatever the ice cream places are that has you know thirty six flavors. Yes, why can't we? Why can't we have thirty six flavors of being human? Why yes. do we have to all be the same when we're not? Well, that's true. And we say, you know, what we say to wives or husbands, you know, you marry this person because you love the person they were. Why do you yes. want to change them? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying that uh, uh, this, this is uh, unfair. So, so take that with a, take this with a grain of salt. But uh, men often marry hoping that their wives never change, and women often. Marry hoping that their husbands change. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and neither are helpful. No, neither right. are helpful. Right. We, we change in some ways and we don't change in others. Yeah, and true. some things, particularly around physiology, we have less control over it, except that embrace your biology. You are you. Yeah. Mm. You yes. are unique, and who you are is exactly who you should be. Mm. Richard. Um, as adults, right, we, you've talked about the idea of self-regulating, which is fine because as an adult, it's probably easier than as a child. But if we've got a small child and it looks like they've got SPD or they're highly sensitive, um, what sorts of things can we do or say? Because they're going to they're gonna struggle to self-regulate, I would assume, as a small child. They don't have the ability or language or whatever to be able to do that. So how can we as parents then... Um, parent a child that, that might be highly sensitive? Don't rush children. Highly sensitive people hate being rushed. For example, you need to get dressed now. We've got going in five minutes. Not helpful for a highly sensitive person. They might need 15 minutes. Give them more warning. If they're putting on socks and the seam at the sock is on the inside of the sock, they might hate that. And you <laughs> might have to, they might have to wear socks inside out. And you might think that's crazy. Yeah. But it's really easy to wear a sock inside out and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. If they want to wear something that you think looks a bit odd or it wasn't what you planned, be flexible. As I said, don't rush them. They will probably have a process of doing things which feels right or comfortable for them. Don't say, well, this is the way we're doing it. Don't be rigid with you, the way in which you go about things. Be more flexible. So you can accommodate their 
uniqueness. Rushing is a key point there. What about the food thing? Because that's a biggie, right? I mean, for me, as a highly sensitive kid, the food was, well, it was not good. (laughs) It was was not good. Western children with loving parents do not starve. They do not starve. (laughs) It does not happen. So uh, don't say to children, you will sit there until that's finished. Not helpful. Uh, Well, you'll get it for breakfast tomorrow morning. Not helpful. (laughs) Not helpful. But you can say it's okay if you don't want to eat it. But we're going to eat it and you're welcome to say at this table and not eat it. Mm. But we're going to enjoy it because it's yummy. And I understand if you don't feel like eating it. That child will watch everyone carrying on eating. That child will often experiment with the food more safely now because it's safe to. Mm. And if they don't, clear the plate off. And they might come to you an hour or two later and say, I'm hungry. At that point, you go, well, unfortunately, dinner's over. I can get you something small and it has to be healthy, not, oh, well, here's some chocolate or ice cream. No, 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 because mm. I didn't eat dinner. Mm. Yeah. And it has to be within some bounds of what they will eat. No, well, here's some sliced capsicum and, and some avocado and maybe a, a bit of cucumber or something, whatever they're going to eat. And, and of course, knowing flavors that are avocado is really helpful because it's a blander flavor, as mm. long as they can handle the texture mm. and sometimes <laughs> the texture of something yeah. frozen. For example, kidney. I, steak and kidney pie, and I could not eat the kidney. And my mother would get angry, but eat steak and kidney pie and all the kidney on the side of the plate. And she'd tell me to eat it. And I go, I'm not eating that. And, and you know what? I'd hold it in my mouth until she was out of the room. I had a capacity to hold food. Do not. You just learn. Well, that, that's okay. The kidney goes to the side. It doesn't matter if I had everything else on the plate. <laughs> Notice texture and strong flavor mm-hmm. will be a trigger. Be patient. Allow them more time to eat. And, and guess what? You can stay there and eat. We'll just chat. Yes. And if we've got to go somewhere quickly, well, you've got to allow more time for them to eat because they might be yeah. slow eaters. Highly sensitive people are often very slow eaters. Mm. Do not use anxiety. Oh, dear, they'll starve. Anger. You will eat what I put in front of you. Uh, punishment. You'll get it for breakfast. Or you're not leaving the table until it's done. None of those things work. A highly sensitive person will be more stubborn than you. Mm. They will win. <laughs> and all you'll create is an anxiety around more food. Yeah, mm. it's true. Um, we, we've opened up a bit of a can of worms, no pun intended, but um, sensory processing disorder, I mean, maybe this has come as a revelation to you in a light glow moment, and, and hopefully that has because it certainly did for me. Uh, and I think actually it was through you, Richard, that I actually discovered that, oh, you mentioned this once, and I went, oh, I think that was me as a kid, and it's everything just fell into place. So it was kind of cool. Sensory processing disorder. As Richard said, um, hsperson.com is a good website to look at. Also, you can go to spdaustralia.com.au for details, and they will give you some more information about this. But do some research. And uh, when you get off this show, uh, go back and have a listen to the podcast and uh, maybe it'll help you out. Also, check out Richard's website for details, richardfay.com.au and momentumaustralia.org, of course, is our website. We've had Richard Fay on Momentum in the last couple of weeks. Richard, it is always a pleasure. A couple of big topics there, as always, that we've delved into and we've uh, really appreciated your input, mate. Thank you. Lovely being with you both. Thank you. You've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. 
You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.